a football Friday, Wags. Yes, You're thank Wags. you, sir. Uh, Rodney, double R, how are you today, sir? Doing well, Jeff. How about yourself, man? Uh, bu busy time. Busy time. Friday's always busy for you, buddy. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, getting actually our staff roundtable at Horns 24-7 posted right now. This will actually be live here in about... Well, however long it takes this to upload and update, but yeah, it'll be up there soon. Game predictions will be up there. Staff predictions will be up there a little bit. I already sent my staff prediction into uh, our group text, our Texas Sports Unfiltered group text. Rodney, I'm I'm having a terrible year against the spread. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm o, I'm o in ten through ten games trying to pick the spread for Texas games. So yeah. I'm going against the grain. So my whatever my gut has told me, whether I think man, I think Texas will win this game big, win it close, whatever the case is, it's usually gone the opposite way. So this is a game that if you asked me at the start of the week, I was really close to picking Iowa State to win this football game. Then we got offensive linemen popping off, and I felt yep. a little bit better about it. I still think this is going to be a close game, but just because I've been so wrong this year and things have been so off kilter for me, I have picked a double-digit Texas victory <laughs> tomorrow. Yep. So, who knows? I, I can see that happening too because I can see this Iowa State offense getting bogged down, Rodney, and not being able to do a whole lot against this Texas defense. I, I'm with you, Jeff. I, I think that this thing is going to start off and it's going to be a little bit of the old uh, slobber knocker, uh, you know, the term that uh, you, you folks like to talk about right there. But I really do think. I think the turning point of it is when you when you start getting these offensive linemen talking shit and doing all this stuff right there. I'm I'm hoping these are things that are really going to motivate that. And you know, I was just telling Wags there on our program. It's like you know, this happens all the time. This happens all the time when it comes to to a Texas opponent. But what you don't get is you don't get it. You don't get it on social media. You don't get it on Twitter. You don't get it in front of people. And a lot of times, maybe it doesn't get back to the Texas football program. But now, now that they have this in front of them, I mean, I think that they can really use this. And again, I think this is just, Jeff, for me, another parting shot. There have been problems with Iowa State for the Longhorn program as of, as of recent. I think this is just another way on your way out the door. Boom. Kill Kill that bird with that stone, whatever the term is right there. Take care of that one. Move on down the road. Just put these dudes to bed. Yeah, I mean, Texas was on its way to winning the Iowa, the, uh, the Iowa State, the Kansas State game, and winning it pretty convincingly yeah. uh, before the turnovers happened. And, you know, I mentioned kind of the one common theme that I saw in the Houston game and the TCU game is Texas not getting separation. You know, Houston and TCU never really had a reason to stop running just their base offense. And they both kept kind of chipping away, plugging away, and they were there in the fourth quarter with a chance to win both those ball games. But I just keep going back to the K-State game, and if Texas doesn't turn the ball over, Rodney, that may be a 20-point win. Exactly. You know, I mean, I, I've said it, man, if I was of K-State's touchdown drives, three of them, three of them started on the plus side of the field and were quick strike drives, two off of turnovers uh, and one off of a blocked punt. So that was Texas shooting itself in the foot. And I've just got a part of me thinks that with the Jonathan Brooks injury, the wagons have been circled a little bit this week. Uh, I'm hoping, and this is maybe just me being optimistic, being glass half full. Maybe you do see a sense of urgency from that offensive line. Maybe you do see CJ Baxter take a, a massive step forward in his on-field maturity, his development, everything that, you know, young running backs go through. So, 
I don't know, Rodney, maybe it's just because I'm feeling good on a Friday. Maybe it's because we're less than a week until Thanksgiving, my favorite day of the year. Uh, uh, I'm just Maybe I'm just feeling good. Maybe I'm just feeling good thinking the Bevos are, are going to go to Ames, Iowa in the dark. In the and, dark. And turn the lights out on the Cyclones. And there, Can you believe, Rodney, this is the final the final Big 12 road game Texas will play as a member Crazy. of this This is it, man. This is it. Um, and, you know, I, you know, Jeff, I'm old enough to, to I remember when, you know, the Big 12, you know, when you had the Southwest Conference and you had the Big 8 and you had all of this and he, here we go. All of this is coming to, together. You get the first year of the Big 12 and, and to watch this thing. And, and it, man, it's been a hell of a run. It's had ups mm-hmm. and downs and and so forth. Uh, but but to really put that into perspective, it's like, dude, this is it. I mean, this is it right here. But I am with you in the sense that I think that that finally, because, you know, and you can correct, feel, free to, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but it really does seem like kind of the, kind of the shade that's being cast on, on Texas right now after the last few games, uh, maybe more from a national pundit standpoint, is that Texas is finding a really good way to, to, to come out of the gate at a horse race, you know, but bring themselves back and, and, and blowing leads and, and, you know, escaping wins, you know, very, very close. Um, I think this really is the time, especially in that final road game in the Big 12 Conference, to just go out, put your foot on the gas, and blow these dudes out of the freaking water, man. You hope just, so. Just yeah. put, it all, put it all to bed right here on Saturday night. You'd hope so. The bottom line, Rodney, for me is like this, this is not the best Iowa State team we've seen exactly. Texas play under Matt Campbell. Uh, and, and across the board, you know, that's why Bucky and BK and I were talking about it at Academy yesterday. And by the way, shout out to everybody that showed Great up place. yesterday yep. at the at the new Academy out there in Hutto. Rodney, is that not the nicest Academy you've ever seen? Dude, I got to tell you, I, I went rolling up in there. I just love the smell of leather. I love the smell of two things, <laughs> leather and money. And uh, that that smell of leather right there, man. It, it, and and I was talking, I was talking to one of the associates right there, and I told her because I, I bought some stuff on my way out, mm-hmm. and uh, I told her I'm from Round Rock, and she said, "Well, you know, the Round Rock store is great. No offense to the Round Rock store, that Huddle one is beautiful, man. That's that awesome. that right there is put together. It is it is the real deal. Uh, but no, while we were out there talking about it, you know, Bucky was kind of going through it, and and. Saying you know how much you know this Texas offense is gonna is gonna miss Jonathan Brooks and maybe not to the extent of maybe not being able to win a championship. I think the league is just so down this year that even without Jonathan Brooks, Texas still has the most talented roster in this conference. And then there were there have been years where Texas would have a big time back or a big time skill guy like this on offense, and you couldn't say that, or you wouldn't say it, or maybe some yep. Texas fans would lie to themselves and say that, but. You know, the league is still at a place where I just don't think it's very good, top to bottom. It's been competitive. It's just not very good. And, man, Texas still, at the end of the day, you know, Rodney, there have been years where, like, think about <clears throat> think about if Texas in twenty in 2016, right, that five and seven year. Yeah, yeah. Imagine how, how much worse that year is if Chris Warren and Deontay Foreman get hurt. Yep. You know? Um you know, any any of the Sam Ellinger teams, what eight, you know, we saw Shane Bouchot was still there in, in 18, but 19 or 20. What if Sam gets hurt and you don't yeah. have an experienced backup to go to? Well, you know, heaven forbid, you know, you were able to lean on Jonathan Brooks when Quinn Ewers was out. Now just the shoes on the other foot. Now, now, oh, 
heaven forbid you have to to lean on an NFL caliber quarterback and a receiver mm-hmm. room with your top two guys. I don't know if people realize this. You realize I, I looked at the numbers again this morning. Uh, A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, they're one catch short of having 100, 100 balls combined between them. That's uh, right. Worthy's got 50 catches. Mitchell's got 49. They've got over 1,300 yards, almost 1,400 yards between them. They've caught 19 touchdowns between the two of them. And those numbers are split almost evenly across the board. It's not like one's dominating the ball and the other's not. So yep. you've got two receivers who are going to play on Sunday. You've got a quarterback who's going to play on Sunday. You've got a left tackle up front who's going to play on Sunday. Maybe a couple other guys on that offensive line. And a tight end who's still – A tight end who's hidden. May, yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe the biggest matchup problem in college football, and I don't say that you know, being you know with hyperbole, tongue-in-cheek. I mean, I really mean that Jatavian Sanders is that much of a mismatch. This Texas offense still good enough to go put up points and yards on Iowa State, and it's still good enough to go win the Big 12. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So we're lucky here here on Friday. Uh, it's only an hour. Jeff Howe, Rodney Rodriguez, we welcome to Texas Sports Unfiltered. It is our man, Andy Fails. Andy, let's uh, let's talk a little bit of uh, Iowa State football, my friend. So uh, your thoughts going into this one? I mean, we, we've got a log jam in the Big 12, um, like we were just talking about, Jeff and I. Final Big 12 uh, road game uh, for the Horns. Um, your thoughts on this one as we sit uh, here, what, uh, 11-14 on a Friday morning? Well, first of all, good morning, guys. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to come on your show. Uh, happy to uh, be on with you today. I, you know, there's there's a lot to this game. I mean, really, there, there are a lot of storylines. Um, there's a lot going on. Uh, first off, um, the Iowa State students uh, are – headed home for Thanksgiving. So we've got a, a, a video message by the athletics director uh, basically pleading with the students to stay or do something about their tickets to make sure that they get to the hands of somebody that will show up to the game mm-hmm. uh, because they want that to be a, a, a full stadium. Uh, and, you know, honestly, that that does give the Cyclones a, a, a better chance uh, if, if that stadium is, is, is loud and, and really, really into the game. Sure. Um, you know, it is uh, Texas's last trip here. This is a team that Iowa State has had a lot of success against um, recently. I think they've won three of the last four games in Ames over the Longhorns. And, you know, I, I, it's funny, and I know that you guys um, feel this way too, that just, you know, there's some teams that your team just plays well against. And, mm-hmm. and maybe you're not really sure why that is. Um, but Texas is is that team for Iowa State uh, recently, certainly, um, under Matt Campbell. They just, for whatever reason, no matter who the coach is, no matter what the situation is at Texas, it seems like Matt Campbell has had a little bit more success getting his teams up uh, for Texas, and they've played well. So, I, you know, I think going into this game, they probably feel um, – better against uh, a Texas team, no matter how good that team is, than, you know, going against uh, Oklahoma or even Kansas State, a team that Iowa State never seems to play well against. So I think um, they're just kind of feeling like they have a little bit more confidence going into this game. I don't know if that's justified or not, but you, you just know how it is. I mean, sometimes they're just you know, teams that uh, coaches, yep. that uh, certain coaches uh, have success against. 
So that, there's that going on. Uh, there is a lot log jam in the Big 12. I don't know that Cyclone fans are really truly feeling like they, like they have a chance to to win this conference or you know represent well in the championship game. Even I think that they're just kind of taking things a game at a time and feeling like if they get a good start against Texas, like they have in in the other games where they played well this season, uh, that the crowd will will get into it and maybe Texas. Uh, starts feeling the chill uh, up here in in in, uh, in central Iowa in the middle of November and starts uh, you know longing for that ride home to to Austin and and and, and maybe Iowa State can kind of get under their skin at the, t- the same time they uh, the the cold weather gets on top of it so you know I I think um, they're probably feeling pretty confident about this game even though Texas is clearly a really good team. Andy, big picture, uh, John Haycock, what he's done with that defense yeah. has been remarkable. And I, I, I don't know, it's, it's almost like people don't believe me, but I'm like, hey, if you want to, if you want to major in that three high defense, you know, you got to go to Ames, Iowa to figure out the best person who, who oversees it. Uh, how, how is Matt Campbell and Jamie Pollard, the, the, the ISU, you know, kind of brass, for lack of a better term, how have they been able to one hold on to John Haycock and two? We've seen the pieces with this defense change. Uh, you know, you, you you lose key guys, but guys seem to step up. How has he been able to – how have they been just so rem- – so, number one, how have they been able to keep him? And number two, what's allowed them to be just remarkably consistent with this three-safety defense? Well, you know, um, first of all, you know, defensive coordinators are kind of um, – they can be odd ducks, you know, uh, or at least, you know, unorthodox where they don't seem like they're the same kind of guys all the time that want to just climb the coaching ladder and get into a head coaching position. They get settled in with a good friend who's a head coach and they'll stay forever uh, just across the state over at the university of Iowa. Phil Parker is probably the best defensive coordinator in the entire country. And he's been with Kirk Ferentz. He's been on that staff for 25 years. He hasn't always been the defensive coordinator, but uh, he has been for, you know, about the last 10 years and could have gone anywhere else could have gotten a head coaching job, but he's just stayed there. And it's really kind of the same thing with John Haycock. I just don't know that he's a a head coaching guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's, he's a defensive coordinator. He's a defensive guy. It's what he does. It's what he wants to do. One of those guys that just kind of wants to do something really well. And then he's satisfied. So I think that's why he stayed there. He he's, he's very good friends with Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell's a a big loyalty guy. Um, And you know, that defense is really strange to watch guys. Uh, Anytime you watch, um, a defense that only rushes three yeah. do well mm-hmm. without really ever putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. It's counterintuitive, right? I mean, we watch the NFL where, you know, born and bred on these four, three defenses that have some edge rusher that's just, you know, out of this world quick and constantly putting uh, pressure on quarterbacks. And that's just, that's just not what John Haycock uh, defenses do. They're about containment. They're about, yeah, that extra defensive back there just provide. If they get any sacks, it's a coverage sack, mm-hmm. uh, as we all know. They typically have some some very fast linebackers who are able to fill fill gaps quickly. Um, you know, but it, it's been a it, it it's been a success. And you know, against Texas, this defense has been has been exceptional. Um, it's had more success against Texas than it has against some of the other teams. Uh, like, I mean, this, this team gave up 50 points at, at Oklahoma. So uh, th- these are not the 85 Bears. Uh, 
But, um, you know, they, they just kind of do their thing. And against certain offenses, uh, it's been very successful. Yeah. Andy, yeah. real quick, kind of piggybacking on that. You know, whoever been, has been the face of this Iowa State defense throughout, you know, John Haycock's tenure, it's been uh, Greg Eisworth was such a great player as that middle safety. Jaquan Bailey was that guy. We've seen Mike Rose be that guy. Uh, last year was Will McDonald, who was a first-round pick. Whether it's Bo Frailer, TJ Tampa, whoever it is, who, who would you say is kind of the guy, the, the linchpin, the, the glue guy, the, the guy that binds everything together that really makes this defense go? Well, Frailer is, has had a, a good season, but TJ Tampa is the best player on that defense. He's going to be playing in the NFL. Um, it, it, you know, it's and and he's he's the best coverage guy there. And we're just we're talking about a, a coverage defense. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I think this is probably of the defenses that we've had recently with Matt Campbell. This is probably the one with the fewest standout names. Yeah. But a number of those defenders just stayed around forever, right? I mean, they took their COVID years. They didn't leave early for the NFL. They they had a good time playing here, and they just kept playing. Greg Eisworth is, is one of those guys. Um, but, you know, th- th- this, this defense does not have a great edge rusher. Um, like Will McDonald doesn't, doesn't have the, the, the one legitimate pass rushing threat that they've had. Uh, in years past, they don't have a, a Jaquan Bailey who was just a, a, a big, uh, a, a really big physical freak who was, mm-hmm. you know, throwing guys around on the line. But it, you know, this is not this is not a Texas quality defense. This doesn't have a bunch of, um, you, you know, future NFL first and second round draft picks. It's just it's a unit that plays well under John Haycock's system. And gives Iowa State a chance to win. And, and quite frankly, guys, I mean, I was just, we were talking about this the other day on our radio show. This is probably the year where we've talked the least about the Iowa State defense hmm. because the yeah. offense has, has, has been surprisingly good. Yeah, no doubt. Andy Fails joining us uh, here on Only an Hour on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Follow him on Twitter at Andy Fails. He's uh, in Des Moines, Iowa, as uh, the Horns get uh, ready to head uh, up to take up uh, take on the Iowa State Cyclones. I have to ask you, um, Andy, one of the conversations down here has been uh, the, the comments there from Jared Hufford. Uh, what what has been kind of the the feel or the vibe after those comments? You know, we've had folks here where Matt Campbell possibly saying, "Dude, what are you doing?" I mean, you, you're taking tell on me a the comments of... about from Jared Hufford. First of all, I'm not, I'm not familiar with those. Those are oh, not, uh, it, has not uh, been a big story here. Oh, is that right? Huh? Okay, well, I'll tell you one. They hit me with them, yeah. Yeah, hold on one second, and I will find those for you. We're too you. busy talking about uh, Iowa women's basketball, I think. Oh, nice. Okay, so so this was the, this was two days ago uh, at one of the uh, media availabilities for uh, Iowa State football. It's definitely going to be one heck of a farewell present. You know, I think especially they're going to come in here on senior night in the dark, you know, I don't think they really know what is going to be coming for them. I think they'll have to come out and figure it out. But I think just uh, the cycling community names, you know, when it comes to night games, especially against Texas, you know, they've only, they've what well, we beat them for out of the last five times they've been here. So they don't have a good record here. Uh, we have a very distasteful in our mouth for them. You know, we definitely want to send them off to the SEC with a, with a loss on our end. But, you know, it's going to be a good game. Tell us more about that distaste for them. Oh, you know, it's just, you know, ever since I got here, it was Iowa and Texas. That was kind of the thing. And, uh, you know, the horns down all the time and whatnot. But it's just, you know, that program, much like Oklahoma, you know, they get all the big five-star recruits. They have all the nicest stuff in the world. And they just they just think they're, uh, 
you know, they don't stink, put in layman's terms, but, uh, you know, they're just humans. And that's how I see them. You know, they're just people that have such a high ego that needs to be checked. So I guess, I guess, I guess if I, you haven't heard about I, that, it, I, I did, guess it's I not a big that. concern. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I did. I, I, we, 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 we didn't really talk about that a whole lot. I, I can totally understand why that's uh, gotten some play down in, in Texas. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm surprised to hear somebody say that. That's not something that Matt Campbell was happy to hear. I can guarantee you that. Um, that's bulletin board material there. You know, it is it's funny. We have been talking about it this week. It is strange. Um, I I never really considered Texas to be a team that Cyclone fans um, had a lot of animosity toward. But I think I'm wrong about that, at least with the recent round of uh, the most recent generation of fans. Um I think it most of this probably goes back to uh, just the point where the Big 12 started to splinter. Uh, and, you know, concessions were made by the Big 12 to keep Texas in part of the mix. And Texas was, you know, flirting with the Pac-12 for a while. And then, you know, there were just these extra concessions that were needed to make, needed to keep Texas happy. So that that upset the rest of the schools in the Big 12. There, there, there's no doubt. I would say too. And then, you know, with a decision to go to the SEC with Oklahoma, that just kind of gave a, fueled a new round of it. But it's, you know, look, we don't run into any Texas fans up here. I'm sure you don't run into any Iowa State fans down there. Um, those are the fans that usually, you know, where you really have your rivalries, right, is where you live among those other fans, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma. I mean, you guys live amongst each other. You, you, you know you know fans of those other teams. They, they bother you. You you see them. You see their bumper stickers and stuff like that. We just don't see that. I, I, I don't, you know, as huge of a fan base as, as, as the Longhorns have, they have not uh, staked a whole lot of footholds up here in the in central yeah. Iowa. So uh, there's not a lot of them around. But, you know, as for the players, I, I don't know what is said on the field, what he might have heard on the field. Um, but you know, I just, I, I think there is some, uh, there are some hard feelings about Texas and, and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC, uh, no doubt about it. And, and I think that, you know, the university of Texas is a, is an outstanding university. Austin is a really, really cool city. Um, I think, you know, it's a huge fan base. They have a lot of money, the facilities that go on down there, everybody sees those. There's a lot of jealousy toward the university of Texas and Longhorn. So I, I, I don't know that I would look a whole lot deeper than that guys Andy uh let's stay on the on the offensive side of the ball for Iowa State and look if you'd have told me you alluded to alluded to it earlier if you'd have told me going into the year uh no Hunter Deckers no Jairo Brock uh this might be the worst offense in the Big 12 it's been far from that and I know Rocco Becht has been you know really efficient uh they, they've you know run some RPOs for him gotten stuff that, that he's comfortable with how much credit, though, do you give to to Nate Schillhouse? I mean, we talk about John Haycock not being a guy that has head coaching aspirations, but I've said it on our platform and multiple platforms this week. I, I think Nate Schillhouse is a guy that uh, probably going to be a G5 head coach, if not next year, then in, in the next year or two, we'll be leading the G5 program somewhere, whether it's as a recruiter and now as a, as a play caller. I just think he's phenomenal. Yeah, you know, and it's funny um... – 
we have, again, across the state, the University of Iowa, we have a, a, an example of um, a head coach who it, it just doesn't ever want to change his offense, even though when it's clear he needs to. Um, Iowa State had a game at Ohio, in Athens, Ohio. Ohio, not Ohio State, obviously, Ohio. Yeah. And they were horrible. And that offense looked terrible, and they kept trying to run the plays they were they kept trying to run the ball up the middle over and over again. They weren't getting that and they weren't changing it. And Cyclone fans were furious. I mean, they were saying the same things that Hawkeye fans say every single week. But, you know, they were like, we cannot. It's the, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And the very next game. Matt Campbell allowed Nate Shieldhouse to completely change the offense. And it's been that way ever since. Mm -hmm. And that was such a revelation, uh, not only because it worked, but because once again, across the state, you know, the head coach just flat out would not let that happen. Um, So that's been really encouraging. Um, Hunter Deckers was not a loss, you know, a loss to the crazy gambling investigation that, for some reason, only went on here in the state of Iowa and not in any other state. Hunter Deckers was a bad quarterback. He wasn't going anywhere. Uh, he wasn't taking this team anywhere. They needed to move on from him. And as you guys probably know, and as we really know, sometimes it's hard for head coaches to bench their starting quarterback and admit that you know they're wrong about the guy they picked to, to lead the team. Well, Matt Campbell didn't have any choice. He had to move on from Hunter Deckers because he was suspended. And... He moved on to Rocco Beck. He had two guys to pick between. He had a really raw, really big kid from from here in Iowa named J.J. Cole, who looked like the long, long-term project, 6'6", just a, you know, really looked like a classic quarterback. And he had Rocco Beck, who was just a, a smaller guy, a little bit more c- cerebral, had a lot more uh, mobility. And he decided to go with Rocco Beck, and that was the right choice. Um, so, you know, we, this team has gotten better. One of the reasons that Nate Shieldhouse has been able to make this offense work is because Rocco Beck has an, another element to him. Uh, he can move around. Uh, he, 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 he can audible. I mean, he can, he's just a guy that I think is a little bit more creative back there and has a few more skills. So, I mean, he, he is not a Quinn Ewers. He's, he's, he's not going to, it doesn't look like a guy that's going to have any chance to follow Brock Purdy and go into the NFL, but you know, he, He's a he's a he's a good Iowa State quarterback, and he's had a good year. Andy, last one I've got is uh, you know we've seen some Iowa State perimeter skill guy just give Texas fits over the years, or, or skill guy period. I mean, it was Charlie Kohler, and uh, thankfully that the, that run of tight ends is gone. Texas, the Texas defense doesn't have to deal with those guys. But uh, Xavier Xavier Hutchinson had a monster game yep. in Austin mm-hmm. last year, and I have no doubt that. Nate Shieldhouse, part of that game plan is going to be a lot of the stuff that's given Texas issues. They'll utilize bunch formations. They'll flood zones. They'll run in-breaking routes. They'll have switch routes. But of the perimeter skill guys and even the tight ends in this group, who's the guy, if you're a Texas fan, you need to be paying attention to this guy tomorrow? Well, I mean, Higgins is the best receiver that they've got now. He's not Xavier Hutchinson, but he's he's, he's pretty good. They don't have a, a, a tight end um, in the in the mold of, of, of Charlie Kohler. Uh, at this point, what they've done really well this year is 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 run the ball, and I think, uh, quite frankly, I think they're they're going to have trouble doing that against Texas uh, tomorrow. But um, they've run the ball very well. Um, mm-hmm. Jirel Brock is out, 
So they immediately moved on. And they've got in Sanders, Norton, and uh, Abu Sama. Now they have three running backs who, who've given them uh, speed, uh, given them some power, and given them just kind of a, 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 a one, two, three punch that uh, has has been really, really helpful. But mostly it's been just kind of Rocco Beck moving around, finding a variety of different receivers. I don't know that he's really established a favorite target at this point. I mean, Xavier Hutchinson was was such the favorite target. And, you know, we've had, um, you know, others in the past who've, uh, you know, clearly Charlie Kohler would be a, a really good e- example of that. Guys who've just, you know, clearly been the favorite of the quarterback and no matter how many, how well they're covered, the the, the quarterback is still targeting them all the time. Rocco Beck doesn't really have a guy like that. He spread the ball around a lot. He's made things happen with his legs and and he has used his 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 running back. So I, I don't think that there's you know one player that Longhorns can you know look at in this offense and say okay we got to make sure to shut down this guy. They just had balance uh, this year probably more than anything. But you know this is a team that's um, you know not beaten the better teams on the schedule. Uh, they got smoked at at, at Oklahoma. Uh, they lost uh, a, a winnable game here to Kansas. Uh, they lost to Iowa. Um, you know, they beat an Oklahoma State team that that hadn't quite gotten things figured out, and they played well in that game. But, you know, overall, I, I think this is going to be a really difficult game for the Cyclones to win tomorrow. So I think it's going to have to kind of come down to winning in the margins. I think they're going to have to uh, try to get an early turnover. They've got to get, you know, keep the Longhorns from feeling comfortable uh, early in this game. They're going to hope that this uh, wind, we got some nasty wind here going on today. They're going to hope that that keeps kicking up and uh, maybe kind of chills everybody's bones from down south there and makes them uncomfortable and uh, then maybe they can get some points. Hey, Andy, real quick, uh, we're talking about Rocco Beck. If you're a Texas fan, you haven't seen much of Iowa State this year. Does he remind you of any Iowa State quarterback? I mean, I, I you know, I can go back to – like you said, he's not Brock Purdy, uh, you know, but you can, you can go back to you know, Sage Rosenfeld, Seneca Wallace, yeah. Brett Meyer. I would say he's had some good quarterbacks yeah. throughout the time of the Big 12. Does he remind you of anybody? Purdy is the best con- uh, comparison for him. Uh, Purdy is, is very, very mobile. Um, does not have the accuracy that, that Brock Purdy did, certainly early on. Brock Purdy was really, really accurate. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy would always um, – he would try to force things a little, a, a little too much uh, at times. And, and, and Rocco Beck is, is more careful with the ball like that, but that's, you know, about the same size, good mobility spreads the ball around a lot. Um, growing confidence, you know, Brock Purdy burst onto the scene with a game at, at Oklahoma state where he just lit it up. I mean, he yep. threw for 300 plus yards yep. and I don't know. I think he had four four or five touchdowns. It was a, it was a rookie uh, or a, a first-year starter record here. Um, Rocco Beck has, has, has not had that kind of entrance. It's been kind of slowly into the pool. But, um, you know, Purdy is is the best comparison. He's not Seneca Wallace. He doesn't move like that. Right. <laughs> he's not nearly as big as, as Sage Rosenfels. Um, he, you know, he he's a, he's a good Iowa State quarterback. Um, and, you know, if he keeps getting better, uh, who knows? But for this, at this point, I think Cyclone fans are pleasantly surprised with what they've gotten from him this year. 
Yeah. Andy, is it a fire drill uh, this time of year? It seems like uh, when you start seeing other jobs come open um, and obviously with Matt Campbell, what he has done there with the Iowa State program, there has to be within the alumni, within the fan base to where it's like, man, please don't come get our guy. Is that a, is it is it kind of a, a, a ritual every year to you get to this time of year, year and it's like, man, we just got to hold on to this guy because he's done such a great job there in Ames. It has been uh, a ritual. Um, Cyclone fans have lost some sleep over this. Uh, in recent years, I think, you know, I think that that, that happens to, to yeah. good coaches everywhere in, in, in programs that aren't Texas. You worry that your good coach is going to get snapped up uh, by somebody else. Kansas fans are worried about that right now. Um, but, you know, after it's clear your coach has passed on some good jobs, I think it starts to settle in and you realize, okay, not everybody wants to climb the ladder. Not everybody has that personality. Um, we certainly had that with Kirk Ferentz over at the University of Iowa. Uh, we've had that with a number of basketball coaches in the state. And we've had it with Matt Campbell. Um, his star shone brighter several years ago uh, than it does now. Uh he was being considered for NFL jobs, um, certainly bigger, uh, wealthier college jobs. But I think that, you know, the longer a coach stays at a place, I mean, the more comfortable they mm -hmm. become. Matt Campbell has little kids. They're settled into school here. His salary, boys, goes a long way <laughs> in Iowa. I mean, a I long bet. way. He, I mean, he can't just buy a house on the street. He can buy the whole street, guys. I mean, he, yeah. he, he, yeah. Uh, he can have a really good life here. His kids are, are 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 real happy. His wife is real happy. He's a he's a Midwestern guy from Ohio. If you know, he was doing real well, and the Ohio State job came open, and it seemed like Buckeye fans wanted him real bad. I, I don't have any doubts that 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 he would would jump at that job. But he's clearly shown himself to be a guy that that is is not interested in just taking the next step. I mean, he's not Gene Chizik. Uh, he's not a guy that um, measures his own worth by, uh, you know, the prestige of his new job. Right. Yeah. But, you know, Andy, uh, you know, it, it's interesting with the exception of Gene Chizik. I think about Dan McCarney was in Ames for a long yeah. time when people yeah. said, hey, Max should have taken uh, another job at some point. But he he stayed in Ames until his services were no longer needed. And the same thing for Paul Rhodes. I know Paul Rhodes had chances to, to leave. But there's I, I guess that's a tribute to whoever's at the time has been doing the, the hiring for Iowa State that you find a guy that says, no, I'm I like what I can build here and I'm comfortable living in Ames, Iowa. And for whatever reason, just kind of wants to, to stick around for a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, that happens. Those other two co coaches had their windows of opportunity, and then they closed. Yeah. And then they didn't have those opportunities anymore. And, you know, I think Matt Campbell probably had that last year. His, his window, I don't think anybody came calling him last year. Um, I think that he, uh, um, you know, is probably back to the point now where if he wanted to go somewhere else, uh, he could, you know, he could certainly get some interest. But, you know, uh, Paul Rhodes, I'm, I'm sure, wishes he would have left here when his uh, when his window was open, yeah. when the irons were hot. Dan McCarney, I 
you know, he's such an Iowa guy. I think maybe he was just, he just wanted to be here. Yeah. Um, but certainly went and, you know, was a, a coordinator at Florida and moved, moved all around, went to North Texas. But, um, you know, those windows don't, don't stay open. Right, you know, right. once it's established that, that you're not a guy that's real interested in climbing the ladder, teams start looking elsewhere. And yeah. it's hard to have a, a consistently winning program in the state of Iowa. It, mm-hmm. it just is. I mean, we just don't have many Division One athletes to recruit here. Uh, it's, you know, in the Big 12, it's easily the coldest place <laughs> in the Big 12, which <laughs> is never the most appealing <laughs> feature to, uh, to to market to potential recruits. But, um, you know, and Ames is small. It's it's not, you know, it's, it's 50,000 people. It's, uh, it, and it's 45 minutes north of Des Moines. So in no way do you feel like you're in, in, in any kind of a metropolitan area. But, um, you know, those coaches, uh, you, you know, athletics directors, they look for coaches with those types of personalities when they recruit them to Iowa yeah. or Iowa State. You can't, you know, I mean, Jamie Pollock got burned going to get Gene Chizik. Uh, I don't think he was ever going to really work out here, but, you know, they went and got the, the hot name. He was here for what, two lousy years. And then he left skid marks getting out of town. The first offer he got at, <laughs> at Auburn. Um, but uh, yeah, it was like two weeks after he had told everybody he was firmly entrenched in Ames. Yeah. Yeah. He was, Could he not was John get Force of getting out of town. So, yeah. But that's, you know, yeah. that part of that is Jamie Pollard's fault. He hired the wrong guy. Andy, yep. since you, since you brought them up earlier, uh, you're the guy that I was referencing to, to our community last week. I said, you know, there's some great college football games. Somebody by the just the nature of their job is going to be forced to have to watch at least portions of Iowa and Rutgers. You were that guy. You you had to do that. So thank you for taking one for the team for all, all college football fans out there, making sure somebody had eyeballs on that team. Yeah, you know, it's funny. My, my, my dad um, – would he passed away a couple of years ago, but he he would he he and my mom are snowbirds. They spend the summer in northern Wisconsin and the the winter in in Florida, and they would drive through and stay with us for a few days on the way from from Florida to or from uh, Wisconsin to Florida. And he would always kind of drive through uh, in you know in the fall in October or November. They would come down and stay for a couple of days. And my dad, huge football fan. But my dad always would look for the best games to watch on TV. He didn't really have any favorite teams. He just wanted the best game. Uh, and then he would flip around for the best games. And he would come here and I would have to watch Iowa and Iowa State, um, <laughs> you know, for my job. And he'd be like, all right, Andy, what, what games we got going on? And I'd be like, we're going to watch uh, Iowa State and Baylor. He'd be like, what? <laughs> well, why? Why would we watch that? I was like, because Dad, I got to do it for my job. I, I have to do. Oh, that's a terrible game. And you know, Iowa Rutgers, Iowa Northwestern, Iowa Rutgers. There's no offense at all. So yeah, it, <laughs> I still hear his voice in my head when I find myself having to watch those games. Guys. I I used to always use Andy. I used to always use Iowa as the example. I said, you know, back in the day, it's a game they would do a great job of getting you fired up there at you know LSU and Alabama, and you're getting ready for a great Saturday, and then. You get Boom. Iowa. You get Iowa, Minnesota yeah. for that noon kickoff on ESPN. Off we go it's for the like, nooner. Yeah, it's the ultimate the ultimate buzzkill. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's just kind of um, 
It is what it is. So yeah. Iowa fans have uh, this year. It's it's been it's been several years where they've kind of just had to embrace the sucky offense and, and and count the wins. I mean, what do you say about a program like Iowa? Um, seven and two, seven and two. Um, they have no offense. I mean, they, their quarterback will have sixty three yards passing total. Chuck Long is gone. <laughs> yeah. She, Chuck Long is still a guy who's around here in the community a lot. And, and you know, he, it's funny. We we know Chuck and we see him around and he'll just. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, they did, but they just, they win. I mean, they're winning the games. Yeah. So you can't, you can't, you just, you can't complain too much. Right. Yeah. Because the, right. so, uh, yeah, but uh, you know, now um, just lost their, the best player on the team for the rest of the season. So we'll see what happens, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it, it is funny. These. Um, it's tough sometimes. Some of these. Some of these Midwestern teams, Big Ten, Big Twelve, they uh, they can get they can get thin offensively, and we can go through some uh, some dry spells. The, the silver lining there, Andy, is the NFL draft is never boring because push comes to shove, nobody's better at evaluating and developing right. all O-line talents than, than Kirk Ferentz. Oh, exactly man. exactly right. <laughs> just, just cranks them out, right? Brings those guys in. Not just O-line, it's tight end university. I mean, good Lord. Look at those yeah. guys. Yeah. George yeah. Kittle and TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Noah Fant, Tony Moyaki, yeah. Dallas Clark. I mean, they just had, uh, you know, one afternoon. Nathan Chandler, or Scott Chandler, yeah. rather. So yeah. many NFL tight ends just go through that school. They have lost two tight ends this year. Two. Two guys that are going to go play in the NFL, Eric Hall and Luke Lachey, and they're still throwing at the tight end. It's a factory. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, I was talking to Dave Aranda one time about his tenure at Wisconsin, and he said, you know, you kind of – he said, I've always been a guy that I kind of recruit what I have. He said, in the Midwest, he said, I can run a three-man front because you just find – uh, absurdly large human beings in the Midwest that they just don't grow in other parts of the country. Yeah, right? the big, 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 big guys up here. There's, there's, there's no doubt. You got to be, you got to be big to survive the winter. That's right. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Andy, we appreciate the time. I know we've kept you probably a little longer than than you anticipated, but uh, we talked a little, little Big Ten football, Iowa, and obviously talking Texas and Iowa State. Any, any prediction for tomorrow? Andy? Hey, you know what? Do me, a, give, give, do me a solid. Let, let me ask you a question here, so I can uh, pass this on on our radio show coming up here at one. What, uh, what is the Texas perspective about being? finished with Ames, Iowa after this game. I think a lot of Texas fans are thankful that this is the last trip to to Ames, Iowa, because like you said, it's not, it's not a particularly easy place to get to. You can get some, I think, uh, was I think American now, or maybe it's United. One of the airlines has a direct flight where you can get from Austin to Des Moines, but it's a, oh, yeah. it's a lot of, it's a lot of connecting flights and then the drive to Ames. So I think there's a lot of Texas fans that are, that are kind of thankful this is the last trip. And they don't deal with cold very well. No, not, that's the bigger <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, we get into the 50s here and it's it's parka season. All it's a, sudden, yeah, so. yeah. We we hit the 30s, Andy, and, and the town is closed. If there's a faint, <laughs> uh, a faint little bit of ice, business is closed, there's no school, we're done. We are done. So what what about, uh, what, what are, are Texas A&M fans, Annoyed that they're going to have to share space in the SEC with with Texas now. You know, I, it depends on on which group of Aggies you talk to. I've got plenty of friends who are Aggies, and 
there were a lot of them that after a few years were honestly had the opinion. They said, we don't care if we ever play Texas again. And I know there were a lot of Texas fans that after the first few years said, hey, we don't care if we ever play A&M again. But I think now that reality set in that it's going to happen next year, it's there's a level of vitriol to that rivalry, as strange as that might sound, that there, there, there wasn't before. Because when those two – and, Rodney, you can attest to this. Those two schools get together over Thanksgiving weekend, even the players. I mean, sure. uh, you know, I, I've, I've had – I've talked to guys that have played at Texas say, hey, I knew probably half the guys that, that are at A&M because you, you, you know, were from the same town. You, you played each other in high school. You went to camps together, whatever. Uh, and I know plenty of families where – Dad is a Longhorn, mom is an Aggie. Mom's yeah. side of the family are all Aggies. Dad's side of the family are all Longhorns. So it was there was more of a kind of a respect there, uh, as strange as that might sound. But there's definitely a level of vitriol that's built up over the last decade that that didn't exist before. Yeah, you know, guys, and and I really I, I say this quite often is is it I think things changed a lot between the Longhorns and the Aggies when you had the bonfire tragedy because that's true, yeah. yeah. When that happened, you know, you saw the embracing from the two fan bases that, that they came together. And not that they still don't like each other, but, I mean, I think the disdain for Texas fans uh, is now Oklahoma. So I'm curious to see how it all comes back together again. It's going to be fun to get that happening again. Well, you know, that I mean, this is the right thing for college football. This is, you know, our biggest fear. I think I, I think every college football fan feels this way. Um you know the the breakup of these conferences, the, all the realignment going on, it, it's it, it is all uh, it is ruining the the thing that makes college football great. It is ruining the regional rivalries for the most part. In this case, this is putting a regional rivalry back together. They need yeah. to be in the same conference. You need to have those rivalries. Texas and A and M should always be in competition in the same conference. They should always be playing each other. Um, you, you know, we, we were like, oh, it's going to be great to be able to play USC and UCLA and, you know, bring BYU in here. There are any BYU fans around here. There are, you know, there, nobody knows somebody that went to UCLA in Iowa. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to, you know, to forsake the Iowa State football game because they're each in these giant conferences where they just don't have time. I mean, that's, that is, that flies in the face of the, the most central point in college sports, which is regional rivalries. That's the passion in yeah. college sports. That's why the three of us got into this yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is, it, that is literally the fuel that powers this whole machine. And the fact that, you know, money, of course it's money, but the fact that the conferences are just like, yeah, I know, but we just, we have to do it this way. We got to grow. That boils my blood. It sucks. I, the, the other one too, Andy, that I think, you know, you talk about bringing the A&M Texas game back. I think for the, there's a generation of Texas fans who Arkansas was a bigger game than Texas A&M. And I right. think the fact that those two, are, those two are going to play each other I, yeah. Someone, and you'll have no idea how the SEC is going to figure out this. And the Big Twelve is going to have to do the same thing. How do you, how do you have scheduling equity with sixteen teams? But I, I guess they'll figure it out. But I, you know, look as long as as long as we still got Farmageddon, you know, and I know I know Baylor is 
Uh, Baylor, I talked to some Baylor fans like we, we've played Texas forever. What are we going to do without playing Texas? There's still plenty of hatred with TCU and that game's going on this weekend. I, I think everybody will manage for the most part with other rivalries. The interesting one is is no bedlam. And then that's another one that probably should be played every year. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. What's Farmageddon down there to you guys? I love it. It was Farmageddon wait, wait, wait. to me. What game, what game is that? Kansas State. Kansas oh, State. Oh, Iowa State, Kansas State? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I thought you guys had your own version of Farmageddon. No, 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 no. No, no I, I actually, I actually enjoy that. I actually enjoy that one. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It, 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 it is good. It's you know, again, not a lot of those fans intermingling with each other, but it's, uh, it's basically a giant argument over who's got the best ag school. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this: I would take. Uh, I was in Des Moines. Who's got the brighter future in feed sales? I was in Des Moines for the NCAA tournament, and it was snowing, and the weather, you know, was what it can be in Des Moines in early March. Um, I'll take Des Moines slash Ames. If, if anybody's ever been to Manhattan in December when that oh. wind comes down off the Flint Hills, uh, I'd much rather deal with the snow in Des Moines than whatever that, you know, seventh circle of hell was that I was dealing with in, in Manhattan that one December. Well, it sounds to me like you spent a lot of time inside the basketball arena the last time you're here. Next time you're in in uh, here in in, in March, you, you let us know. We'll take you out. We'll, we'll show you some cold. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Oh man, and we got a video of that. I got to see my man Jeff Howell out there in the cold. <laughs> uh, Iowa tap room kept me from the cold. When I was oh in yeah, there. That's a good nice play. little, nice little, nice little. And a freeze, man. And a freeze each and yeah, every time. That's right. Andy, Andy, thank you, thank you so much for the time. Andy, we we you, greatly brother. appreciate it. Hey, anytime, guys. Appreciate it. You look us up next time you're up here. Okay. We'll do. Got it. Absolutely. Take care, buddy. All right. Have a you bet. Oh, sorry about that, Andy. <laughs> Cut think, him off. Uh, I think my uh, my former on-air broadcast partner, Craig, wait, Craig's got a couple of more trips. I think the women, I don't think the men go to, to Ames this year for, yeah. for hoops, but I think the women have a trip to, to Ames. Yeah. And I, I, Iowa State doesn't play baseball, so I've, I've never right. been to That's right. Had to go to Ames you know, for baseball. It, and I got to tell you, just kind of that conversation right there, you know, I, I um, you know, I miss the old Southwest Conference. You know, I, man, man, isn't that? You know, uh, I go back to the, you know, one of, we were talking about, uh, you know, 30 for 30s and all these different things that, you know, the pony excess. I mean, that, that one right there, you know, and, and I love the graphic where they pull it up at the first part of the thing where it's the state of Texas and boom, there they all are, man. And yeah. you, you think about that gauntlet back in those days, Jeff. One of the ones that I like, and there's a bunch of really good 30 for 30s, but, you know, Requiem for, uh, Requiem for the Big East was one that was yeah. really good. Just talking about when Big East basketball in the heyday in the 80s with John Thompson and Luke Carnes suck and Raleigh Messamine. You know, you know the personalities in that league. You can yeah. say the same thing about the Southwest Conference. I mean, at one at one given time, to to have a league where you've got uh, you know Emory Ballard and and Grant Taff and Daryl Royal and Frank Broyles and you know all the great coaches that were in that league. I mean, and then even later down, I mean, with Fred Akers and Lou Holtz, and yeah. Ron Meyer. Uh, yeah. you know, legendary coaches, legendary programs. It was it was kind of our league, and even in the dying days, Rodney. I'm not gonna lie. I I enjoyed being a kid in first first second grade, waking up on a Saturday morning and seeing that that noon kickoff, that Raycom game of the week, whatever it's gonna oh, be, and I'd man. be like, all right. 
egg dude. and rice. Sweet, dude. let's do this. Don't don't you love that, man? Yeah, the, yeah, the old Raycom games right there, man. When the, when they would get after it, and it really was, man. It, it was always something special about yeah, you, you know, Baylor and TCU or, or whatever it was, man. Because and that's the funny thing about it when you think about the old Southwest Conference, like what he's talking about there with the Midwest. When you have some of those schools and they talk about travel radiuses and all of this, it's mm-hmm. like in the Southwest Conference, you had an eight hundred mile radius of a conference, and it's all in one state. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all in one state. And, you know, you can, you know, most of those trips for Texas fans, actually, they're all, all of them were trips you could drive. You know, you're driving yeah. to Fort Worth and Dallas and Houston and you know, for whether you're playing Rice or U of H, it was a, I, I really do, I really do miss that league. But, you know, a- Andy just hit on something that I've said for a while now, Rodney, like you tell Texas fans like, hey, not only are you moving to the SEC, and again, we like we said the Big Twelve proved again this week with this tiebreaker fiasco that okay. they're just the, the ultimate Mickey Mouse league. They just can't get out of their own way sometimes. Not only are you going to a league with stability, with pedigree, where you can have these big blockbuster matchups that'll get your fan base excited, mm-hmm. but you 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 tell me you're, you're gonna have a schedule. You're one in the SEC that's got OU, A and M, and Arkansas. Yeah. Hell yeah, you'll take that. That's old yeah, school, man. That's old school. That 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 brings a kid back into a uh, more mature um, football uh, sports fan, sports fan, because that, that yeah. that's the beauty of it. Right, quick, Jeff. Before we uh, dive out of here, I do want to talk about Cobert Bee Cave. Of course, you will have a pregame show happening tomorrow out there. Three state-of-the-art dealerships, seven different brands of those OEMs, Buicks, GMCs, Cadillacs, Chryslers, Dodge, Jeeps, and Rams, and of course the Fords and the Chevrolets uh, out in Hutto, where we were yesterday, and a big. Thanks once again to Academy yesterday for hosting us. Just some great folks out there. The Fords and the Lincolns right here, uh, 183 on Research Boulevard. Covert Bee Cave also services all makes and models, 86 service bays, ready to keep you a minimal weight, getting your uh, maintenance done on your vehicle. Don't try to change the oil yourself, man. You won't find the you won't find the filter. You won't find the plate. It, it, it's way too hard. Don't even mess with that. CovertBeeCave.com. They have your latest specials on new and pre-owned vehicles. Doesn't have to be a holiday. I'm sure there's going to be a Thanksgiving um, deal there on, on the new and pre-owned, but but check right now. There's probably one happening right now, weekly stuff. Stop by and check them out. The Covert family, they've been doing it since 1909 across Central Texas. It is the Covert family of dealerships, Covert BK, CovertBK.com. Nobody beats a Covert deal. Not now, not ever. Jeff, all right, man, here we are. We're, what, 20, well, a little bit over 24 hours away, but still. Has, has that, uh, I think you and I both have had a little bit of that sense of urgency with this ball game. But like you said at the beginning Nerds, of the program, a little the bubble guts bubbling up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, yeah, yeah, a little, little caldito kind of starting <laughs> to uh, work myself up in my stomach. But um, like you said, the the more that I think about it, it's this should be well in hand. This should be well, especially after talking 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 to him right there. Yeah, you know, one thing that uh, Andy kind of hinted at it, but I mentioned it earlier this week. One of the reasons why Iowa State is top ten in the country in turnover margin. Rocco Beck just has, just hasn't turned over the football a whole lot, but when he has, you know, he's got he's thrown seven interceptions this year. Uh, I think five of those have come in Iowa State's losses. So it, it, it's going to be up to this Texas secondary. The secondary has been maligned. It, you know, we, we've talked, we've said all kinds of stuff about the secondary. 
But you know, kind of like Terrence Brooks did last week in that two-minute situation against TCU, if you get a chance to make a play on a football, you've got to make it. You've got to, you've got to get as many possessions for your offense as you can because that's how Matt Campbell wants to win ball games. He wants to limit possessions, uh, own the clock, keep your offense off the field, uh, just not give you a chance. And then, you know, maybe you start pressing, trying to get the big play, and and that's kind of when you're playing right in Iowa State's hands. So got to got to get some takeaways on, on defense. And if you're, if you're Sark, you got to be patient. Like patience with Sark in these type of games is something that I always fall back on. And when Sark has been patient, uh, it's been good for Texas. When yeah. he's been a little bit stubborn, that's when Texas got itself in trouble during his tenure. So patience, yeah. Sark equals. Uh, you know, I, I, I should tell Sark before kickoff tomorrow. I should just phone into, into his headset and tell Sark <laughs> have the same conversation I have with my five year old when she gets mad that there's too many cars in the Chick Fil A drive through. Said um, like. What do we need to have a little bit of right here? Patience. Like, yes. Have a little patience, yeah. Sark. Have a little patience. And, and I think I think they'll be all right. And, and and don't you think that that really the key is going to be, Jeff? I mean, like you said, patience right there. But just just let the game play itself out. Um, you know, we talked about it early in the week. There's no need to go in here and alter the game plan and do all these, uh, you know, mystical, crazy things. Just let the game play itself out. Use the weapons you have. It's one thing if you if you're going to with Jonathan Brooks being out. If you're going to somebody that that is um, um, not C.J. Baxter, I mean, just let this thing happen. Just play this game out. This is a, uh, you know, I, I pulled up the stat today for our staff roundtable at Horns 24-7 uh, as Zay joins us. We get ready to hand it off to Chip and Zay. You know, if you look at Parker Fleming with CFB Graphs, does a great job. at He's at Stats Award on Twitter, does a great job of putting out college football analytics. He's got Texas right now 75th nationally in rushing success rate, which means how often is your is your run game staying on track? That just shows you how effective and how good Jonathan Brooks has been at manufacturing yards himself. This is a big O-line game, man. This is a big game for this Texas offensive line. You know, the the whole has not equaled the sum of the parts. That offensive right. line should be a lot more consistent than it is. This has got to be a game where, you know, you look up after the game and say, man, that offensive line, that was their best game they played since the Oklahoma game. I know Kansas was a good game for them. Uh, you know, BYU, they've had some good games sprinkled in there. But this needs to be a game where this Texas offensive line carries the day. And you say, man, that offensive line really came to play and delivered. If Texas is going to leave Ames with a with a win tomorrow. Yeah, you bet. You win in the trenches. Uh, it's it's old school, but uh, that's really uh, the way that it all uh, takes out. There is our man, Chip Brown. So uh, Jeff and I are going to get ready to dive out of here. Turn it over to Zip and Che, as I like to say. Chip, and <laughs> oh, Chip, Chip, I'm going to post staff predictions here in about the next half hour. Okay. I'm 0 and 10 against the spread. Damn. I'm 0 and 10. That's what this uh, team has done to you. So I'm I'm thinking, I'm thinking close win. At the beginning of the week, I might have picked Iowa State. So I'm picking the horns by double digits. I'm just oh, going completely man. against what my gut's telling me at this point. Why not? Yeah. Who cares? I'm 0 and 10. I'm not getting back to 500. <laughs> Screw it. <laughs> I thought that double-digit win was coming last week. As as VY told everybody in the huddle on that game-winning drive against USC, just let them hang. Just let your nuts hang. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do with this prediction this week. Flopping. Flopping. Just let them (laughs) them drop. Let them sag. All right, boys. Y'all have a good show. Appreciate it. Great Great show, show, guys.